Hi there, I am Abigail Croft, co-host of the Bridge Breakthrough podcast alongside my colleague, great friend, Scott Taylor. Every episode, we sit down and have a chat with inspirational change leaders from around the world. We hope our podcast provides insights, inspiration and ideas that can support you to create change for yourself, your organisation and the world that we all share. This episode, Scott sits down with our guest, Jane Sassini. Jane is the Global Capability Director for Bridge and the co-founder of the Bridge Institute. She is an artist, a trained psychotherapist, a thought leader and an inspiration to many. Jane works around the world, helping to create the space for corporates and communities to create change. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Jane. Thanks for for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, Really looking forward to the conversation ahead. Thanks for finding the time. You are very welcome. I'm really looking forward to it too. Fantastic. I mean, before we jump into the more poignant questions, I'd love to just spend some time getting to know you for our, for our listeners and who you are and what you do. Um, but maybe before that, I'd love to, to ask you, what are three things uh, about you that are at the heart of who you are as a person, as a human? Ooh, let's start with the easy ones. Yeah, um, yeah let's start with the easy one. <laughs> Three things that are at the heart that are at the heart of who I am. Mm. Um, well, I mean, maybe this is probably not in the right order. I'll start with the most profound thing. Sounds great. <laughs> the most profound thing is that some years ago I decided that I'm not really in charge of my life. I'm the brush, I'm not the artist. So I kind mm. of try and live my life being of service, seeing where life seems to want me to go and um, be present enough that I can see the messages and the signs uh, so that I can tell where life wants me to go. And um, So I suppose that speaks to the second thing, which is I try to operate more out of feeling and thinking Mm. so I work a lot and it's not just work I guess it's also in how how I relate I I try to be present in my felt sense and tune in to what's going on and how people are so I'm quite I'm quite sensitive to how people are when I walk into a room for good or for bad Mm. And I'm a, I'm a therapist. That's a sort of identity statement. Yeah. <laughs> really? I think that, I mean, I think partly being, uh, I mean, I suppose I come from a place of I really have no answers. I don't know. But if I stay present enough, the answers might come. And that seems to be a catalytic place that helps, helps others work stuff out. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation ahead. And just to be present, like you said, see what see what comes up here. Feel 
very fortunate we've got the next hour ahead together. Um, I mean, I'm curious to know where a bit more about you before we jump into it. So where are you from um, and how, how have you ended up here or wherever you are there? Here in London, which is where I'm from. I'm a London, I'm a Londoner. I was born in London. I go, I leave, I travel, I always come back. Mm. And um, I keep thinking I should leave London, but every time I think that, I fall in love with it more. And it's always changing. So I'm a North London Jewish girl. And um, Happy New Year. It's Jewish New Year. Happy New Year, yeah. Right now. And how did I end up at Brits? Sure. Um, well, I've had a wriggly path. My first degree was in fine art. I went to art school. Hmm. I left art school and really, and I knew I was never going to be an artist because I, I needed a community. I couldn't sit in a room and do art. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I sort of wiggled around trying all kinds of things, ended up as a film editor. And then went traveling really like a very late um, gap year in my late 20s. And when I came back, my mother actually introduced me to NLP. And I became completely obsessed with how people's minds work and why we do what we do and why we think what we think and how that affects what, what happens in the world. And um, so yeah, that sort of became my purpose, really. I suddenly realized that human beings are incredibly interesting and I would never be bored again. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all so different. So yeah, I ended up doing a master's in organizational change and mm. became a psychotherapist. So I sort of went deeper and deeper into humans. Um, so I'm actually trained as a therapist. Right. And currently thinking about doing PhD in therapy and organizations. Going even deeper. And what's on heavy rotation for you these days? What's a, what's a song, what's an influence that's, uh, I think music, you know, is a, is a big part of personally my life and I know a lot of people's life. It's always interesting to hear what's, what's on rotation. Well, weird. have you heard of Idols? I have. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you'd probably be surprised to hear that, never mind. Well, there are two things on heavy rotation. Musically, I'm listening to Idols, which is like, my favourite song is called Television, which starts, if you talk, if, if anyone talked to you like you talk to you, I'd put their face through. Love yourself. <laughs> which really kind of is what we're often teaching people not quite as directly as that in terms of how their inner voice is so mean to them right. themselves. But a lot of their lyrics just, it makes me laugh because it is it's quite profound and just thrown at you, it's like in your face. Right. Um, and I saw them at Green Man recently and uh, it was just one of my favorite gigs ever. Okay. And the other thing, which really, I'm not listening to that music, much music at the moment because I am re, cycling at Toll's books, mm. The Power of Now and the New Earth. And um, 
totally in love with the dude again. And he reads them himself. I didn't realize that you could get them on audio with him reading them. So yeah, audiobooks are great, aren't like, they? It just feels like I'm so lucky I'm walking to work and Tal is talking to me. Yeah, he's speaking to me. Yeah. And um, just helping me breathe and be present and all the kind of. That's probably why I was in such a. When you asked me three things about myself, I right. really just wanted to well place about being present. On another morning, I might have been listening to idols and be saying, Yeah, I love going to gigs, I do yoga, <laughs> uh, I like a beer. <laughs> yeah, good. A balanced, a balanced individual. Uh, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, on the podcast here, we're talking to, to change makers around the world. And I'm just really curious, before we get into some questions around, uh, around change, and why, why do you do what you do at Bridge? Oh, um, we're just starting with the easy ones, right? <laughs> well, I suppose given, you know, what I said earlier about being the brush, I, uh, at one level, I don't really know. It's just because I'm supposed to. Um, on another level, because my mother tricked me <laughs> in finding what I love. Yeah. Uh, she's a genius. Um, and I think what essentially we do is help people become more awake and more conscious. And um, I just love seeing that happen mm. and you know I think I do you know both the therapy work and the organizational work just feel so important at the moment it's such a difficult world that we're living in and I think a lot of what we do is help people create more space in their own minds and in their own lives um, and you know, that's the most profound change I think that we are creating and that and it's so important mm. uh, I mean in, in some ways I'm you know I'm being pulled more towards doing therapy these days and it seems like therapy is the game in town but um, in many ways it's the first few sessions of working with someone or it's the, you know it's a one workshop there's the kind of some, there's an unlocking and it's so important and so profound that someone's got to be doing it and I as long as I am able to do it I really think I should and I have to hmm. be criminal not to so um, that's kind of why I'm doing it but I do enjoy it and I um, a massive enjoyment and enthusiasm for it get anywhere the purpose of whatever program I'm working on doesn't have as much energy or meaning for me as the as the massive transformation you can have in for an individual to be able to contain the complexity of their lives so I guess that, that's why I do it I didn't even know that until I answered 
that question. Amazing. The value of this podcast is already paying off. It's <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting when you talk about that creating space. Um, you know, and, and when we talk about change, there's so much of what we think we need to do. What have you been saying no to recently that's been able to free up some time and space in your life? Um, what am I saying no to? I think I'm saying no to pushing. Hmm. So, um, you know, there are things that I do in Bridge and outside Bridge where I feel like, you know, I've been asked to do something, but it feels like I'm pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm starting to think, you know, that I'm, I'm not tuning in properly if I'm having to push so hard. Mm. And so it's nothing really specific. I'm, I'm kind of saying no to making people do things that they're not, they don't seem ready for. Mm. Um, I'm not a big, so when something comes to me, I rarely say no. Right. I'm saying no to my own kind of ego pushing things at other people. And I'm kind of saying to myself, why, why are you doing that? It just, I mean, that's, you know, sometimes I think I'm glad I did. So it's quite an interesting inquiry that I've got going on at the moment. So Sprint Week, for example, yeah. felt like quite a big push for quite a while. And can you, and then, for listeners that don't know what Sprint Week is, what is Sprint Week to you? What are, what are we doing? Sprint Week is um, this week in Bridge. Uh, everyone across the globe is sprinting or making you know, rapidly uh, moving forward their thinking. Um, mm. So we, some of us are calling it Think Week as well. So the goal is to create content, and that's either capturing. Uh, practitioner content for how we do things in bridge so we can share it with each other and transfer it across hubs to different parts of the business or ideas and thinking that we take out into the world for business development thought leadership um, mm. and um, moving our research forward so we do some research into how women actually get into senior roles in business. So I've been trying for a long time to get people in the business to develop content, which has been my role. I wanted more help and uh, busyness gets in the way. So I came up with this idea, we'll just take a week out and we will use that week and everyone will do it. And uh, so it was a push for a long time, it felt like a push. But then the energy did start to raise and people took it up and now it's completely out of my hands. <laughs> and this, what we're doing now is, is kind of fast tracking this idea of having a podcast. So mm. part of mm -hmm. um, So, you know, I kind of look at that and I think, well, actually it was good to push. So I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if I'm saying no to pushing or not, but I'm exploring that. Mm. But I, you know, because I, I kind of like to, I trust what life brings me. Uh, I'm much more likely to say yes than I will to no. Mm. 
Interesting. Oh, I love it. And that's, it's fascinating about the Sprint Week. I mean, I think you see so many organizations that get sucked up into, you know, the everyday, the, the business of business, if you will. And, and mm -hmm. to see organizations taking the time to think and be reflective. And yeah. apparently Bill Gates had think weeks regularly. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, not, you know, some people are doing some, some work, other work, yeah. but it's often the work that they get to. Some client meetings have snuck in, but there's still a different kind of spaciousness to this week. And I think everyone in the, in their are kind of gathering with their teams. So most of the UK team consultants are here with us today. You're together with the Hong Kong team. And there's a kind of, even the, the Australian team is together for the first time. Right. Melbourne, which is, and so, you know, it's just amazing opportunity for people to be together, to connect, to do their thinking, to test their ideas. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm just really glad, really glad we did it. I'd like to do it more often. Once a month. I'm curious to when we're talking about change, change makers and making change, how how important that is. You said, you know, obviously there's the well documented case of Bill Gates and um, and his think weeks. I mean, when we talk about change, how important is it in your understanding of it to create that that time and space to think space? Yeah. Um, well, it's completely vital. So I'm running a program with one of our clients, it's coming up soon. I've been speaking to some of the participants as we move into, towards the program, getting them prepared, and they're completely overwhelmed. Mm. And um, they, you know, they're fitting in a, a coaching call and a, a little bit of preparation. And you know, it's very clear to me that when we get on this program, you know, they have, they have given five days which is, which is amazing mm. to come together as a group and explore. But in order for them to be able to do anything thoughtful, we need to slow them down, open up space in them, their, their minds. And there's a, there's a whole set of there's mindset. And with many leaders, and what I'm realizing is that they, they totally believe that the way that they're operating is, is inevitable. There's nothing they can do. Mm. And in some of the conversations I've had are about, okay, so it seems like for you to start leading instead of doing all the work, because that's what ends up happening, um, you need to create a bit of space. And they're going, yes, but that's never going to happen because blah, 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 blah. I, you know, there's demands from up here and demands from over there and it's too much work and it's too much. <laughs> and of course, the problem is for them to get a new perspective on that, they need to create the space. Mm. This is a kind of in this catch-22 situation, you know, which takes me back to what I said earlier about helping leaders create space. So you have to start with them, even taking a, a single conscious breath and creating space in all the activity and realizing that space is available. And, um, and then, you know, even that, even one conscious breath an hour, which is actually a tip I got from Eckhart Tolle, mm. um, 
is enough, I think, for someone to start realizing, to have a new thought, to have a new perspective, to see a new possibility, to come up with a fresh idea. Otherwise, we're just constantly, habitually um, doing the same stuff. Yeah. You know, so consciousness is vital. If you try and change anything without being aware, without being conscious, without that space to notice, then you're going to start changing things with, without knowing what really is going on. Mm. And so at best that's experimental, at worst that's dangerous. I mean, with the work that Bridge does, what are you, what are you seeing out there you know, the clients and the industries that you're working within of, of examples of this being done well. Of them creating space. Yeah, of leaders, you know, or uh, creating think space and mm. breathe space. Breathe space. Think space. Um, I think we've got a new model. <laughs> <laughs> think space, breathe space, change space. <laughs> um, Gosh, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Google used to be the, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to be up, held up as the best mm. example. They used to give their people 20% of their time to work on other things, to think about new things, to be creative. You don't really hear about that anymore. Mm. And I think it did set Google up incredibly well to be one of the most creative organizations in the world. Um, and of course now you, you hear a lot of negative stories. I don't see whole organizations doing this well. I see small startups doing this well. I mean, actually, interestingly, when Bridge started, we used to have a day a week. So 20% of our time we would spend together and not do client work, not even speak to a client talk about client work and talk about our own dynamics, explore what's happening to us as we connect with the client system, the psychodynamics and the, the impact on the client system on us. Mm. Um, just um, build our awareness. And I think that we learned, you know, it created our whole philosophy for how we work. And I think it set us up with a huge kind of creative energy that started the business i think now we're having to recreate that i think sprint week is a is a is a way of doing that because we you know we get busy mm. so i think i think organizations are beginning to realize you, know, you talk about they talk about growth mindset fail fast and rapid prototyping and everything is fast 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 <laughs> but in order to do any of those things you need, you need to stop, you need to explore. You know, design thinking has that whole empathy. At the right. beginning of it has the empathy. You know, I, I can't emphasize enough how vital that element is. If you're trying to change something, you need to first get into the shoes of everyone who's going to be receiving that change, who are the customers for that change. And mm. um, if you haven't, then you're never gonna be designing something, creating something that's gonna work. And so, so, of course, empathy needs you to stop to be in your felt sense, resonate, so that you can, and relax. Because mm. you can't empathize if you're tense. 
you can't tune in to someone else if you're not calm in yourself. It's not space for you to find, to move into their space. I mean, when we're doing listening training or empathy training, it's all about being loose. It's about finding that relaxation so that you can tune into someone else. So I think, you know, with all that design thinking, that's going on in organizations I really hope I mean obviously the ones that we're working with we're teaching them the importance mm. of um, we're teaching them that leadership is about consciousness and then courageous activism and you know creating that space but but I you know I don't know about whole organizations right I think they often start that way Mm. then often get caught up in the success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's coming up for me as you're speaking is that it seems that globally, there's just every, everything is vibrating at such a higher frequency, if you will. Or there's this global tension of having to do more with less. There's not enough hours in the day. It's that hysterical industriousness. And... And I wonder with some of the places, you know, for the listeners that don't know, Bridge goes and has an institute and, and, and you, you've worked personally with the institute since it's inception and gone into places like Sri Lanka, and Kashmir and, and India, the work that we're doing there. I'm just curious as to how do you apply those same techniques and the importance when you're entering environments that are tense and that, that have actual conflict in them and have, do the same things apply when, when trying to create change in those environments? Yeah, they surprisingly do. There's a lot more to contend with. So the work we did in, we're doing in Kashmir, I mean, the situation in Kashmir is pretty awful at the moment. Mm. When, when we first went there and we heard about the, you know, what was going on and we were very honored to be invited and, we, Mac and I were sitting there going, really, is there, is there anything we can do? Can um, you, for the listeners, can you share what, why you were invited in Kashmir for a bit of context? Yeah, I mean, we, we were sort of asking, we asked someone at the UN, you know, is, there a, is there a place for Brit in, in the NGO world where well, basically what we're saying is, the people who are leading, trying to solve some of the world's, world's biggest problems, do they need leadership mm. capacity building? Because uh, we're not going in as conflict resolvers. We're not experts in resolving conflict. We're not experts in situation in any of the places that we, we go. And that quite often the, the difficulty is that the experts don't have the leadership abilities that they need. And one of the biggest difficulties is they don't, they don't listen to each other. They're often working at cross purposes. And so, you know, the answer was yes. And then, you know, one, so the places were, you know, places like Kashmir on conflict, we're working in India to try and resolve, to eradicate sexual assault on children. Working in Sri Lanka to, to reconnect youth with each other after, many years of civil war mm. you know the first thing we well one of the things that mac and i realized when we were sitting in Kashmir, having met many many people from the community there was that actually this thing i'm talking about which is finding space in your mind finding 
some presence and ability to connect and empathize was obviously the first step. What if we got people in a room and we did that and what would the conversations then become? Mm. So even you know, even in the most difficult situations, we work with people's internal dialogue and one of the things that prevents people leading is they get caught up in their own internal dialogue, they believe it's true, they think they are their inner voice. Mm. So one of the things we're doing is we're helping them disidentify with this internal voice. And it doesn't matter if the internal voice is saying, I'm an idiot, I messed up this spreadsheet, or you're an idiot, I need to pick up a gun and kill you. It's still the same process. And people can disidentify from it in the same way. And uh, that was a big learning for me. Mm. So, you know, we, we often play people back what their inner voice is saying and ask them, is it true? And they're just as willing to say it's not true in both of those examples. Okay, of course that's not true. That's not who I am. That's just this, I, you know, that's just thought that came up. Well, wow, that's not true. <laughs> and that ability to take that little step back, and that's the space I'm talking about, that little step away from I am that voice to I can see that voice and there's another me that can have a more balanced view starts to shift everything in the conversation. Then there's space for me to, to see you more clearly and I can listen to you. And I, you know, sometimes it, we're working with people who've been alongside each other for years and there's they're sitting there listening with their mouths hanging open, going, I never knew who you were. Now I understand why you're so dug in about this situation. Now I understand why you take this position. And you, change can happen when people start listening like that. Change can happen in relationship then. Change can happen when people find that space. Change can happen in my thinking. I can have a new perspective. Organizations don't change, people do. Mm. And so what we're doing is we're, we're creating that possibility. We're creating that potential person by person. I like it. <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, yeah, that approach. I think when I think of change often it's a process or a five-step solution and it's interesting to reflect on you know it's a the humans are the ones changing and what what needs to go into to changing the humans are changing and you can design a process i mean we yeah. do design process sure but the problem with humans is you don't know what they're going to do and <laughs> we've learned this in in, in the work we're doing on eradicating assault on children, sexual assault on children, we kind of have this process, we're going, we're going to do this, and these people are going to get together, and they're going to come up with solutions, and it's going to be brilliant. And then when we go back and we go, what was the impact? They're doing something else, but it's even more powerful. Right. And you go, oh, we would never have created a process for that. We would never have created a process for a school of 25,000 boys and girls going to their villages and having new conversations with their parents about 
what goes on in the villages. We mm. would never have, but that's what that's what happened because of the ideas of the program that that we we created. And that's the same in organisational change. You, as you know, part of being good at creating change means you have to con you have to be constantly watching what well what happened we did this what happened and then okay that happened where do we go next i just did a i was just working with a qc who was looking into um harassment and bullying in uh house of lords in the uk and i was advising her on the culture change process that might be implemented if it was found that there was harassment and bullying you know, surprisingly, surprise, surprise, there is. And uh, we had the most incredible conversations because what she, she couldn't understand why I couldn't tell her every step of the process. And, uh, you know, she eventually completely got, got it. And um, her rigor, you know, it was like being drilled because she's a QC. <laughs> I've never been questioned so hard about what I do. But her incredible rigor helped me really get clear on that process of the unfolding of change and also as change you know as a new change happens the old system fights back and so you never know how quite that's going to go so you yeah you have your leaders need to be alert need to be watching need to be in the conversation that you can't expect that what you implement is gonna it's not we're not billiard balls you don't hit us and we go in a straight line you hit us and we go really strange wobbly lines. Mm. <laughs> and it's probably not a good idea to hit us at all because then you really don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> but actually, organisations are constantly hitting their people. They kind of go, we're just going to hit them with this idea. Bang. And they're all going to go this way. Well, maybe some of them will go that way. Some of them go that way. <laughs> some of them will just stop dead in their tracks. Some of them will leave. And you don't know but every step of the way of when you're implementing change see what happens see what you need to do next be present if i had my way if i'm doing a change program i would go let's just do step one let's not even plan step two let's do step one of what yeah there's so much of that isn't there? wanting to have the end result all figured out before before you attempt to start um, yeah we're often writing fantasy fantasy change programs because <laughs> they are fantasies they're like this will happen and this will happen and this will happen well maybe right maybe it, it's fascinating i mean for me i i get excited about change in the in the sense of the new possibilities it also scares me of course i think like like anyone change you know it, disruptive it's it's uh something new from what you know um in in the realm of changes what's exciting you beyond obviously these think uh think weeks if you will um is there anything else that's really in the realm of change that you can share with our listeners um it's really interesting having this conversation because I don't ever really think I'm in the realm of change. I mean, I, I, I think change, you know, is that old adage, change is the only constant. Right. 
Um, and everything is just always changing. I suppose not what's exciting me, but what's kind of got my attention at the moment is the amount of fear in organisations. I think, I think the fantasy that of stability and the fantasy of things staying the same or going in a certain trajectory, you know, of if I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, then this will happen means that when something else ha happens, when it doesn't go that way, there's a lot of reactivity, there's a lot of fear. Yeah, it's become very, very common that things don't go the way that is expected these days. Absolutely. Um, I'm very, I mean, the work that I'm doing with the research, looking at how women get to very senior roles uh, and, and become leaders without becoming kind of honorary men. So I'm looking for women who, who've done that and I've managed to find quite a few. And what's really fascinating about it is that I'm, there's a kind of theory of leadership which is totally unlike what you see in some of the book, you know, in some of the trainings for women leaders. Now, one of my big, our big insights from, from this is don't lean in. Hmm. You know, the whole kind of lean in thing, which is about men fight, you know, they fight, they ask for what they want, they go after what they want, they say they're good at things and they're not really good at the things, so you need to do that too, women. These women never did that, not one of them. In fact, one of them I interviewed and towards the end of the interview, I said to her, so, every single move you've made in your career has been generated by somebody else has been done because somebody asked you will you do this and she's not passive not in any way is she passive she's incredibly enthusiastic she's open she makes the choices she's she's proactive in going i'm going to go after that yes yes i'm going after that and she's you know, she's noticeable for her energy and her enthusiasm but she she said at the end of the interview i need to take more control of my life i've never made my own choices she said should i should i should i take more control of my life and i said to her that's like a unicorn asking me should i cut my horn off and be a horse <laughs> Okay, so no, no, I mustn't. So it's almost dangerous for me to have seen this because I've never considered myself as passive. Mm. And I said, well, you're not, you're not passive. There's nothing passive about you. You're open to life. You say yes when things arise. And so people bring you things that are, you know, they see in you possibilities that you don't even see in yourself yet. So don't lean in. Isn't, don't just sit in a corner and work hard and expect life to offer you something it's not that at all but lean in is not you know so these women these women are women who know what they love who clear about what they're for who have a massive enthusiasm for it who create community around them and attract attention and people want more from them do this do this and they're open to that and they follow they follow that and i'm not quite sure what 
why I'm telling you this story. <laughs> I suppose it is what I'm most enthusiastic about. I'm, I think there is no vision for balanced leadership at the moment. I think, you know, we had businesses that were, have been built in the Victorian era by patriarchal, you know, on patriarchal lines. So, you know, we don't have a vision. What would a business look like? What would it be like if it was equally created by men and women? And we, because we've never had that vision, we've, what we tend to do for women is go, try and go up this path that is the kind of traditional path that men have taken. So finding a new path and being, you know, the new path is there and just being able to show a different path up the mountain means that I think we could create a whole different mountain. Hmm. So, I'm, so that's what I'm enthusiastic about. Obviously. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, to segue there, if I can, uh, with, with the path analogy, I mean, we'll like to wrap our, our podcasts with is one final question around three things. So if you could offer our audience uh, three, three pieces of advice, if you could, um, and maybe in this instance, as it's our pilot and it's for sprint week, I'd love to, to, to know what three points you would give to bridge as an organization uh, to move forward in the constant of change. Well, I think Brent week every three months is my very strong advice. Um, I mean, I think that for Bridge and for any organization, yeah, I think my, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the paradox of it being called sprint week. It's actually stop week. Right. I mean, I think all of my advice is stop in a way, it's breathe, take a conscious breath every hour, it's um, find practices that bring you present, and take, take big chunks of time to stop and think and move your, move your, and to be, I think, it's probably not it's not so much about thinking as about being and out of being come new insights and new thoughts and new ways. I'm not sure if that's advice for the bridge or for life. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Same, same. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate your time and, and joining us on the podcast. Um, for all the listeners out there, we'll, we'll put uh, any links and interesting reads below so you can follow what, what Jane's reading and, and, and looking at. Um, is there anything else that's going on? Any kind of shout outs or any events that are coming up in, in your world that you'd like to promote? Well, we're going to be... We're going to be reviewing the insights from the, the research. Uh, I'll be inviting the women who were interviewed and, and some others. Uh, that will happen in London. Um, I think you know, the work we're doing with the Institute, we're bringing more into bridge with the S, S, our SDG, our Sustainable Development Goal uh, offer, which is about bringing 
helping organizations resolve some of the big societal problems like packaging and food security and mm. uh, water availability and a lot of our clients are needing to resolve some of those issues and uh, we're going to have an event here i think in a partnership with the conduit which is a which is a place where people who care about sustainability and impact investing gather so that's what's happening over in this part of the world fantastic and for all the <laughs> listeners you can check out bridge partnership at bridge-partnership.com as well as the bridgeinstitute.org um, jane thanks again for your time really appreciated this conversation and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon thank you scott